You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. All right. Well, this is our third week in our new space of our soft launch. It's the third week of the series that we rolled out in our new space called No Perfect People Allowed. We started a couple weeks ago with an introduction. We talked about Adam and Eve a little bit. and We said, what holds people back from people coming through the doors of a church? We said, sometimes people just think they've got it all figured out, that they don't need a Savior. There's other people that say, uh, I, I'm too bad, that if I walk through the doors of a church, lightning would strike. And, and so we talked about some of those things. And the big takeaway that day was that the gospel is based on forgiveness and mercy, not self-righteousness and shame. And the truth is, there are no perfect people. And that is good news for imperfect people. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news for imperfect people. And so that's how we started the message series. (laughs) I know you're wondering, you're saying, hey, what do you call me, not perfect? All right, hold it down over here, all right? And last week, Pastor Bruce preached an incredible message about Jacob. And we looked at Jacob's life, how God had a plan for Jacob, right? Right from the beginning. But Jacob messed it up in a big way. But God pursued him. Jacob wrestled with God. And he ended up changing Jacob's name to Israel. And now we look to God's people. When we say God's people, we think of the Israelites. And it was all through the line of Jacob. There are no perfect people allowed. And today, I get the privilege to roll out another Old Testament character. And for the next few weeks, we're going to do that as well. And there's so many people we could look at, but I was excited that this week we could look at Moses' story. Moses' story, when you think of Moses, he was one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament. He was chosen by God to bring redemption to his people, to God's people. He he led the Israelites from captivity, from Egypt to salvation, to the promised land, so to speak. And Moses is a mediator of the old covenant. He was the giver of the law. And he was the principal author, I don't know if you knew this, of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And it's interesting, you know, he wrote these books. And then I was thinking, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, he says that Moses was a humble person. In fact, more humble than anyone else that ever lived. And I'm thinking, wait, he wrote that. But anyway, Moses, he was a type or a shadow of Jesus from the New Testament. And you look at his life. There's so many good things. He led the people through the plagues. um, uh, And he uh, he was given the Ten Commandments. He was a a snake handler, which is kind of cool. He stood before a burning bush. He was an Exodus hero. He crossed the Red Sea. So many positive things that we could talk about Moses, but today we are going to find out that he was not perfect. He was not a saint. In fact, there are two instances that we're going to focus on, and the first, and they both relate to his temper and relate to an anger issue that Moses had. And the first one's found in Exodus chapter 2. 
When Exodus chapter 2 rolls out, we see the birth of Moses, uh, of course, and his mother hid Moses in the reeds, right, of the Nile River in a basket. He was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, taken into Pharaoh's home. He grew up and was raised in the palace of Pharaoh himself. But as he grew, he understood that he was not like the Egyptians. He was different. And we don't know how exactly he was uh, made aware of that, uh, but we know he did because uh, as Moses grew and headed into adulthood, he was empathetic to the plight of the Hebrew people, uh, his people. And in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, we see the story unfold. Let's look at it. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he's probably late 30s, maybe early 40s, he went out to where his people were, and he watched them in their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and then that way, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Let me just pause there for a second. He's 40 years old, and he has this righteous anger. He's saying, this is not right. And I think we would all agree he certainly went overboard, whether he knew it or not. And he took the life of one of the Egyptians. It, says, it goes on, it says, the next day he went out and saw Hebrews fighting, two Hebrews fighting. He, he asked the one who was in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you did the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did has become known. And then in verse 15, he runs for his life. He becomes a fugitive for the next 40 years. That's incident number one, where he let the anger and his frustration get the best of him. The other instance, turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, now Moses was leading the children of Israel out into the desert, and they were out there uh, at the beginning of Numbers chapter 20. Uh, we see Moses, his sister, passes. Uh, they're in the desert, and human nature kind of kicks in. In verse 2, we see that there's no water at that point for the children of Israel, and we'll pick it up in verse number 3. The people, they quarreled with Moses and said, they whined, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It is no grain, there's no grain, no figs, right? No grapevines, no pomegranates, and there's no, say it with me, no water to drink. They were in a tough situation. And Moses and Aaron, they're getting the brunt of it. And what we see in verse, uh, verse 6 is that Moses and Aaron, they went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that's the temple, and they fell face down before the Lord, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. I love that, that Moses and Aaron, they were doing the right thing. They're seeking God and the glory of the Lord fell on them. That's, that's really powerful. It goes on, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, he gives them instruction, you and your brother, assemble together, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out water. 
You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So again, we see some specific instruction. He's told what to do. And then in the ver- next few verses, it says that Moses took the staff that the Lord from the Lord's presence, he, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, You rebels. You can almost read the anger, the frustration with the people. He says, you rebels, listen, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock, they drank. And you look at that and you say, wow. I mean, God was gracious because Moses didn't do what God told him to do. And it was subtle, and you got to look at it. it. He was most improved from earlier. He's not going out killing anybody, but he's, the anger's there, the temper. And Moses did not do. He disobeyed what the command of the Lord was. Listen, Moses was not perfect. He made a mistake. He wasn't a saint. You say, well, was there, was there consequences? Absolutely. There's always consequence to sin. Uh, back in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, it says, when, when Pharaoh heard, this is after he murdered, uh, murdered the Egyptian, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. So now he's a murderer. He's on the run for 40 years. He's exiled, so to speak. He leaves Egypt, the luxury of the palace. Moses paid a price, no doubt. And in Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 12, you say, was there consequence to him hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock? Absolutely. It says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, in other words, you hit the rock instead of just speaking to the rock, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. You say, wow, that's heavy. Moses took the people from Egypt into the desert, and the plan was for him to lead them to the promised land. And now God is saying, Moses and Aaron, you're not going to make the journey. Wow. And I was thinking, (laughs) you know, in that moment, if, you, if Moses could have fast-forwarded to Paul's advice in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, where it says, in your anger, do not sin, Moses could have probably avoided some of his trouble in that circumstance. I'm thinking, how do we relate to Moses? In these two instances, there's anger, there's rage, whether it was righteous or just selfish. He lost his temper And I'm wondering how many of us have ever been in a situation like that where you've lost your temper. Maybe you've said something stupid. Maybe you've hit something or put a hole in the wall like I have. And I've shared that story. I'm not going to share it again. But I'm wondering, how have you messed up? Seriously, how have you messed up? Does anyone want to share no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give you a chance. I was thinking, though, you know, is it just me? And then I was like, wait a second. I'm not the only one that's messed up in these areas. My beautiful wife, when we were youngly married, I remember a story where we were in our living room, and all of a sudden, a remote control was flying through the air at me. 
Now, I was telling this story last night. The staff was over, and they wouldn't even let me finish the story. They all just believed that it was my fault and that I deserved it. And I probably did. I don't remember. But I'm thinking, okay, Jessica, she's lost control at the time just once. And then my sweet Reagan, who's in college, many of you know her, uh, she's, I've seen her get angry, and boy, that's scary. And then Logan, my son, he was here first service, he's lost his cool a few times. And I'm sitting in my office, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the vase we're just a bunch of rage monsters. <laughs> and I'm saying, well, no, not really. Seriously, how have you messed up? Have you ever been angry? Come on, let me see a show of hands. All right, whew, I'm in, we're in good company, Jessica. Yeah, if you've ever been frustrated, right? And you've said something, whether you were justified or just selfish, and what happens, you feel horrible about it, don't you? You get down on yourself and you say things like, man, I'm the only one that's messed up my kids or, or I've messed up a marriage or I'm the only one that's thrown something and I've got good news, you're not the only one because she did too. And, uh, and so I'm saying, but you feel worthless, you feel down and, and I'm thinking, you know, I've been there. I've been in those shoes and I will be the first to admit that I have said, and this is a quote, I disqualify myself from what God wants me to do, from the work here at the church or at home or in general. I disqualify myself. I've told my counselor sitting across the couch, I said, look, because of my anger or because of my propensity to sin or a list of my inadequacies, I disqualify myself. And yes, I know that there's no such thing as perfect, right? But don't you ever wish that you would treat your kids better? Or don't you ever wish that you treated your spouse better or even treated yourself better? Have you ever wondered or wished that you handled money better or that every decision that you made was right because you're making some wrong ones? Haven't you ever wondered, like, the way you spend your time? Don't you ever wish that you were always productive or never lazy or never purposeless with your time? I don't know about you, but I hate my weakness. Weaknesses, let's be clear. And I don't know if it's because of the way I grew up, and we always tried to hide our weaknesses, maybe, and we tried to look good even if things were falling apart on the inside. And it's tough to admit. But I wish I was perfect. I don't know if you have ever felt like that. And our culture kind of feeds that, this perfection. It teaches us to avoid our weaknesses, to work on it, right? Don't let people see you sweat. Don't let people down. Don't let people whatever. Don't, you don't want to look bad. And I'm thinking Moses, in this great stories. He's, if you put yourself in his shoes, he let anger get the best of him. He murders somebody. I, in my mind, it doesn't get much worse than that. He's angry. He strikes the rock. He's disobedient. He sins. And, you, and if I was Moses, and I read it, he actually just disqualified himself. In Exodus chapter 3, right after the, uh, the first story, Forty years later, God comes to him in a burning bush. 
verse 10, God's pursuing him. He says, so now, he's talking to Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses is saying, what in the world? Don't you, are you sure you're talking to me? You can't be talking to me because my past, the things I've done wrong, all these things. He's second-guessing it, right? God comes to him. He's at the age of 80 at this point. And verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, this is how he says, look, I'm not qualified. I'm not perfect. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he goes on to list some excuses. It's his speech. It's his past. Hey, I've murdered somebody. I was thinking, you know what? (laughs) We make excuses too when God pursues us. When God calls you to lead a small group, you're making excuses. Well, I could never, I mean, if people really knew who I was. Or God calls you to serve on the board, and you're saying, nah, you know, my past, or, you know, I just don't have everything together. And, uh, boy, I'd be no example at all. Or God calls you to work with kids, and you're saying, man, my kids are messed up, and I, 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 how could I have give back in this area? Or whatever the case might be. We discount what God wants to do. We make excuses, just like Moses did. But... God pursued Moses. And the great news for you and for me is that God uses imperfect people. He still does. So what do we do with our weakness? I think we got to get our mind around that. Do we just deny it or pretend it doesn't exist or press it down in, uh, you know, to the point where you know, it builds up and then boom, explodes? I don't know. What do you do with your anger issue, with your sin nature? What do you do about the times that you lie or cheat or the fact that you secretly hate your neighbor or your family member? What do you do with the truth that you've stolen or that you've had an abortion and you've taken a life or maybe you were divorced and you killed a marriage or maybe that you were fired because of embezzling Or maybe you were bankrupted and you lost the house and you lost the car. What do you do with your weakness? Do you just throw in the towel? Do you just give up? Or do you say, God help us, right? Well, I'm encouraged by Paul's encouragement to us. His perspective in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a great, uh, we don't have the time to look at all the 11 verses here, but the first 11 verses, Paul is describing that he's got this thorn in his flesh. It's this weakness. We don't know exactly what it is. People speculate it could be a sin issue. It could be uh, some other weakness. It could be just a sickness. We're not sure, but it's certainly something that he's asked God to remove on several occasions. Let's pick it up in verse 8. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. I don't like this weakness. Get it out of here. But each time Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then it goes on, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. And when I am weak, that is when 
I'm strong. Wow. We see this. There are no perfect people allowed. That's encouraging to me. It's God's grace that makes the difference. See, the Lord pursued Moses, and I love that. He had a plan beyond Moses' mistakes. Just like Jacob last week, God pursued Jacob beyond his mistakes. Like Paul in the New Testament, beyond his thorn in the flesh. And the Lord is all about the same thing today. He's for you. You say, I am weak. I struggle. I've messed up or I am messed up. And you know what the Lord says? Perfect. He says, perfect. I'm serious. Think about it. You say, I struggle. I've got an addiction. Or I, I can't get over the, my, the pain of the past. Or I'm holding on to, to grudges. Or I've, I've messed up in some major way. And again, what does the Lord say? He says, perfect. Just right. God has a plan. And he encourages us then to boast in our weakness. Are you kidding me? You say, why would God do that? Because it's his grace that should be exemplified. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you to raise your kids well, to be a great parent or to be a great spouse. God's grace is there for you to be a great coworker or to be a great employee, or to be a great student, whatever the need is. When God calls you to be a, great, to be a small group leader, His grace is there to help you. To work with kids, maybe here at the Gateway Church, His grace will be there with you. If God called you out to be a board member, His grace would be there for you. And I was thinking, who needs to hear this message? I know I do. And I'm looking at a bunch of people that need to hear this message. But then I had this moment that outside of these four walls, there are people in all of our lives that need to hear this message as well. That you don't have to be perfect and that God has a plan and His grace is sufficient. How many of our neighbors need to hear this? Your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your schoolmates. They need to hear that it's Jesus that gives us hope. Amen? They need to hear that if they have scars or they have struggles, that they are in good company when they come around. There are no perfect people allowed. And God's grace is available. God's grace is so good. And that is good news for imperfect people. You ask the question, well, how did Moses, uh, how did it turn out for Moses? It's towards the end of his life. He was hoping to make it to the promised land. Well, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 24. It's interesting. You say, man, was it over? You know, did Moses just kind of drift away and, and uh, never, you know, never to be known? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, verse 7 says that Moses lived 120 years. And I know I've said before, I want to live 120 years. And I'm thinking, come on, I'm me and Moses, right? 
But anyway, that's not what I was going to say. Uh, verse 10, what happened at the end of Moses' life? Look at what was written about Moses. It says, since then, no prophet, that's Moses, has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Wow. Who did all the signs and wonders that sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all the officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power and performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And I'm like, wow. At the end of Moses' life, he was revered. It wasn't the two instances that we mentioned or other blemishes in his story. He was remembered for the good things. And that's the way it should be. And I was thinking at the end of his life, not only that, he passes, of course, at 120. But in the New Testament, who appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was Isaiah and Moses and Jesus, and then was it James and John or Peter, James and John? Not sure. Peter, who was it? I'm not sure. But Moses was there. He came back, and his legacy continued. The point is, you don't have to be worried about being perfect. Praise the Lord. You don't have to worry when you get frustrated. And the truth is, is that God and his grace is sufficient. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back this morning. And this morning, as we talk about not being perfect, the truth is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the truth is, I don't know everyone here. There's, we've got some guests. We've got some people that have been around for a while as well. But I don't know your story. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. If you don't know this morning that if you were to die today, if you'd go to heaven or to hell, we can offer you the truth that if you accept Jesus into your heart, into your, into your soul, the Bible says he will save you. He will forgive you of your sin. Listen, you don't deserve it, but it's what God offers, and he wants to give that to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, you're saying, man, I need salvation. I need a Savior. I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Just boldly, just uh, stick it up. I'm not, I, I want to just connect with you here for a moment. Anybody second service saying that's where I am? I need a Savior. I need the Lord. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe this is all brand new and you're saying, man, my heart's pounding. You need the Lord. It's the best decision you'd ever make. Or maybe you've slipped away and you're just coming back. Anybody at all? I just don't want to rush this moment. Anyone at all? All right, let me pause here for a second then. We've been praying that with this new tool that the Lord has given us, this beautiful church, that it would be used to see people come to the Lord every single week. That's been our prayer, and we want you to be praying with us about that. But what that takes is for all of us to be activated and to connect with people outside of these four walls and just encourage them to say, hey, you can come.
will fit in. You don't have to be what? Perfect. And that'll be good news. Because we, we don't want a week to go by without someone coming to the Lord. That's our heart. Now, this morning that didn't happen, but I do want to come to the, the last thought. I'm curious how many of you here, just by a show of hands, have some scars in your life or have some struggles that you're facing. Just leave your hands up. Come on. Maybe things in your past that have held you back. Anyone at all? How many here, if you're honest, you're saying, you know what? I have some weaknesses. Absolutely. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you raised your hand for any of those things, I want you just to stand right where you are. Just be bold. Just stand up. You're not, you're not alone, I promise. And I'm standing with you. This morning, I'm going to ask that you take a real bold step. And for some of you, this may really challenge you, but I'm going to ask as we sing this final song of worship, that you would step out and join me at the altar because I'm right with you. And this song that we're going to sing, we sang it earlier, it talks about that God gives us grace. It talks that Jesus is the one who gives us hope. That Jesus is the one who sets us free. That Jesus is the one who breaks chains. It's Jesus Christ, our living hope. And I'm going to invite you to join me as we close the service with this final song. Now listen, I'm not sure what kind of scars that you've carried, what kind of struggles you struggle with. I don't know what your past might look like, what kind of weakness you might be carrying. But you know, Paul asked God three times to take his thorn in the flesh away. He pleaded with God, God, take this. I hate this. I hate that I get angry and I lose my temper. I hate that in my past I didn't keep the baby. Instead, I aborted. I hate the fact that I was bankrupted and I lost the house and the shame is you carry. I don't know what you're carrying today. But sometimes God takes it away. After service, first service, George Richards, he's got to be 70, 80. He's, got, he's in his 80s for sure. He said he used to struggle with anger so much, and God delivered him from that, and he's not angry anymore. And I'm thinking, man, praise the Lord. And that can happen in the instant. But other times, God lets us hang on to our weakness. And I just want to remind you of the verse we said earlier. Shane, if you could go to 2 Corinthians just one more time. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take this away from me. But then the Lord said, and what I want you to just hear this as a word of the Lord for you. This is for you. This is Jesus interrupting your life and speaking this to you. It's in red letters. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is is made perfect in weakness. And that's just something that doesn't necessarily make sense right off. But it's the truth.
when you are weak, he is strong. And we can bear our weakness. We can share our weakness. In fact, I believe that that's what God encourages us to do. And so when we leave here today, we don't put our heads down. We have the living hope, Jesus. He comes alongside of us and helps us, doesn't he? We don't hang our heads low. We say, you know what? I'm going to share. I don't have to be perfect. (laughs) I don't have to live a fake life. Because if you try to be perfect or try to appear perfect, people, they see right through that anyway, don't we? That's the truth. And so let someone in and say, man, I'm really struggling with my finances, or I'm really struggling with my relationship. (laughs) Say, I'm open. I'm an open book. And when you do, just know it's in your weakness that God, his grace is there for you, and his power is made perfect in your weakness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've captured our hearts this morning. Thank you that you didn't just leave Moses after he took someone's life. And you didn't even leave him after he struck the rock later in his life. Lord, you still honored him. And Lord, you do the same for us. You offer the same opportunity. You look for imperfect people to use and to bless. And God, I just pray, no matter what we're struggling with today, that you would get the glory and the honor with our lives and help it to be contagious with someone that needs to hear it outside of these four walls this week. And now I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I want you to turn and greet someone before you head back. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.